a it is 12:45 a.m. technically August 20 oh goodness August 31st Wednesday Wednesday night no Tuesday night you know Wednesday uh technically but I don't know what I'm saying <laughs> on the way home and I just want to share some thoughts real quick because they've been running through my mind I feel like when them when them uh, manosphere niggas folks <laughs> be talking in their car but um I don't even have my mic today so it probably doesn't even sound good I'm gonna probably not even gonna post this to be honest with you but I really want to share these thoughts so I can listen back to them tomorrow maybe or whenever I, I do a real podcast and you know remember them but anyways um so a couple things I was talking to to my partner um, earlier earlier this night and we were talking about a conversation we've had a few times before where she was mentioning how you know I might be a good teacher and that always that always takes me for a loop but not not really because it's surprising per se that's what really kills me about it it's like I can see myself as a teacher um, I really enjoy sharing knowledge and you know, helping people learn more and understand more. I like learning, learning more myself. So, you know, that's always been something I've been open to, or not, I'm not going to say that. I've always been, I, I can see, I can see how, you know, why she would make that, you know, why she would say that about me. And it, it is something I am open to. And I am thinking about going out and, you know, learning how to teach. And maybe going, maybe try to teach. So, yeah, maybe. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Open. I'm not close to it. Right. That's not even what I wanted to talk about. But I did want to mention that because I think that's a that's that's, that's a pretty fun thought. Um. But the biggest thing is that we after that we started, or well, I started reading about you know um, different things. I was just going through my my Google. Uh, Notifications, Google News notifications. And by now, my 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 feed is pretty much curated to things like, you know, nerd shit, you know, consciousness, questions about consciousness, the 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 leading theories and all this other stuff and um, all that stuff. So I was reading an article about about consciousness and people were like, oh, the hard problem of consciousness, we might never solve it and this like that because you know why? How how does the, the brain, you know, these these atoms and this that this that and the other, allow us to experience, you know, all these complex thoughts and all this other stuff. And it always irks me. This is what I really want to talk about. <laughs> it always irks me when I hear stuff like this. You know, same thing with free will. It's like, oh, how can we possibly explain, you know, this complex uh, experience of consciousness through these little atoms and all this other stuff in our brains? I'm like. Because it does. <laughs> I know that might might be unsatisfying in some ways, but I think my biggest problem with, with like a lot of science is that it, it's too reductive, right? And it's funny because a lot of science does not want to be seems to not want to be me uh, mechanistic, right? Like they really don't like um, a lot of scientists, a lot of people, in fact, really don't like determinism. 
really don't like the idea that you know things can be reduced to you know these finite finite uh, specific elements that can explain all of life, all of the universe, right? People we really like that complexity in, in, in science, but at the same time, in order to study things, right? The whole basis of science, as it is today, at least in the 21st century, is based upon, at least from the 20th century leading into the 21st century, I say that, um, is, is, is based on um, being reductive, right? It's based on breaking things down into their constituent parts so that we can understand them. <laughs> but that creates a conundrum. That creates a problem where people don't want to be Reductive and don't want to believe in the deterministic universe and all this other stuff, but we can only understand the universe through a deterministic lens. So, how do you square that, right? How do you, how do you how do you fix that? I think the answer, right, lies in in, in systems thinking. This is why I really enjoy systems thinking. I need to get more into it because it shows us that. We can understand the universe not through these reductive, you know, um, little constituent elements, even though that is important, but through systems, through interaction of of a bunch of simple simple things, creating a complex uh, tapestry, right? Creating a complex reality. Some examples of that: water. I think water is a great example of, of consciousness, right? Hear me out. I'm not saying water is conscious. Um, I mean, maybe. <laughs> well, but no, we we don't, we don't really know. I can't. And that's another thing, right? We might not be able to ever know whether or not, for sure, whether or not another thing is conscious, uh, or maybe we can. I don't know. But my my point here is that oh, my charger. That was my charger. Fell out. But yeah, my point here is that uh, the way water works, right? gives us a great idea as to how consciousness works in the brain. What do I mean by that? Well, um, look at water molecules, right? We can understand what water is, H2O, and we can be very reductive about it. It's hydrogen, you know, oxygen, and we know how, we know the chemistry of how it works. And because of that, we can have a great understanding of a I wouldn't say all there is to know, but a lot of what there is to know about water. However, even though as much as we know about the molecule of water, that does not really tell us much of anything about waves, about ripples, about oceans, about rivers, right? Like there's no way you can take the understanding of water from the from the perspective of like these molecules. There's no way you can take that and then predict what a ripple will look like. Predict what a wave will look like. Predict what ocean currents will look like. Predict storms and all this other stuff, right? Rain. You can predict a little bit. Like, we can understand maybe a little bit about about how rain works. But I don't think you can take molecules and then go all the way to, to figure out, you know, um, all the other stuff that water creates. Because a lot of that is emergent. And what we mean by emergent is that you take the comp you take simple things 
<coughs> goodness, I, I should have drank some water before I started all this talking. But <laughs> you take something simple and then you, once it gets to a level of complexity where you have a lot of it, right? And I'm, of course, I'm simplifying this. But eventually, this simple thing can create a complex uh, interaction, right? And so it's, it's, it's very normal that life, that reality, functions at, like this. Where you have these very simple things that you can re reduce, right? You can reduce to, to singular components. You can break it down as far as you can go. But just because you've broken it down doesn't necessarily mean you understand what it, how it works on a macro scale. It doesn't mean you understand how it works once it interacts with everything around it, with the environment. And that's what a lot of science really misses today, is the interactions, is the, the, the environment, right? And I think consciousness is much the same. We like to think that there's no, like this, this is a hard problem of consciousness. And I do think it is a hard problem. I don't wanna, I'm not saying that consciousness is not a hard problem. It is, but it's not for the reasons that people are saying it, right? I feel like a lot of scientists and philosophers are calling it a hard problem because they refuse to imagine or rather refuse to to realize that we can understand and explain consciousness through reductive, you know, well, elements of it through, you know, this reductive uh, kind of process. But at the same time, we're going to have to go above that, right? We can't just depend on the reductive process. We have to also depend on on systematic processes. Now, I'm not sure if that makes sense. This is why I wanted to talk this through because I wanted to, uh, you know, really get this situated in my mind because as I was thinking about this, it made sense, but I knew I needed to word it out. <laughs> so let, let me let me let me break it down once again. I think we can figure out consciousness, right? And consciousness being, meaning, why do we experience experiences, right? Why do we see, you know, the color red? Why do we taste chocolate, right? The, the taste of chocolate. Why do we, you know, why do we have these experiences that we have? This phenomenology, if you will. <laughs> I like that word. But, uh, the current kind of conundrum is that, oh, it doesn't really make sense how this neuron activation, you know, creates this taste or this subjective experience. But I think it kind of does. Because to an extent, it's like saying, you know, why does water, you know, create a wave? Right? It's because of adhesion, cohesion. It's because of you know all these properties that we can identify we can we can we can identify on the molecular level we can identify by be, being reductive but we have to um what's the word i want to say here we have to bring it back to the system right in order for you to understand how water works you can you have to number 1 look at the uh, the molecular level we have to reduce it to its constituent parts analyze it but then we have to also at the same time bring it back together 
right? Bring it back to the macro scale. Because only once we bring it back to the macro scale can you then understand the interactions, right? What happens when water interacts with other elements? What happens when water interacts on a different scale? What happens when water interacts in the different temperatures and pressures and all this other stuff, right? You can only understand that if you bring it back up. And I think that's what we're missing with consciousness. People want to reduce it only to the atoms, to the to the neurons. And that does allow us to understand some parts of consciousness. But then you have to also realize that we have to ask, okay, how does this interact with other neurons? How does this interact with other brain states, with other, um, other parts of the brain, right? With other, even the outside of your brain, right? How does this interact with your nervous system, with your, with your immune system, right? And then beyond that, how does this interact on the social level, right? Because now we're figuring out there's an interbrain synchronization where your brain waves, it may sound a little kooky, but it's, it's, we're, we're seeing real science here. Your brain waves um, synchronize with other brain waves outside of your brain. And that can also lead into this, this, this grand tapestry of consciousness. So what I'm trying to say here is that I do think the hard problem of consciousness can be solved. And in fact, we're on a good path to solve it. But this whole question of dualism, I think, is, is leads us down the wrong path. And this question of is it reductive or is it, you know, uh, something else is also leads us down the path. It's not it's not or it's, it's and right. We can understand the, the individual molecules but we also have to understand the macro macro scale systems, right? By understanding the interactions of these micro scale things, microscopic things, and how it scales up to the macroscopic world, we can explain far more about consciousness. And I think we'll get there. And then on top of all that, you know, that leads us into things like free will. Because I, I really hate, and once again, when people say, oh, what is free will? Like, if, if we don't have free will, that means we're just automatons. We don't have choice. I'm like, no, free, free will does not. Number one, free will is a terrible, terrible conception. Because it doesn't actually tell us anything about how we experience life. Right? We, 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 we can barely even come up with a definition of free will. Right? But a big part of consciousness is the experience of making choices. But that doesn't necessarily mean we necessarily have free will, right? Because the current conceit of free will is that we can make choices with complete agency or something like that, right? Like we don't, it, it doesn't even make sense. It's, it's really hard to define it, it's really hard to talk about it. And that, that speaks to the entire concept being insufficient. Right? I think we need to divorce the idea of choice, of options, of making decisions away from this conceit of free will. Because free will, once again, is not definitive. It's not communicative. It doesn't grant us enough. So as we understand consciousness, I think we will understand what it means to actually have choice. 
and what it means to actually make choices. I think we're going to find out, because this is my current kind of understanding, I'm not going to say theory yet, but idea, is that free will itself is an illusion, right? The idea that we have complete agency over our choices is an illusion and a, and a not very useful one. Like, it's useful at one level, but then at the other, it falls apart. Somebody getting told, goodness. Um... But yeah, I think we're going to find out that what's more important, like consciousness, is really a a system of awareness. And I wrote this in my newsletter. Go check it out. (laughs) I think we're going to find out that consciousness is really a stack of awareness, of of, of being aware, being of, of learning, right? And understanding how much we know about the world. Like I think we're going to find out that choice is empty. Or rather, everything has choice. Right? And what's really important is not necessarily do, do we have choices. But instead... How many can we can we uh, know those choices, right? Are we aware of said choices being made, and how aware are we? Are we aware of our awareness of that metacognition? I think we're going to find out that consciousness is is the experience of experiences. That consciousness is simply an emergent factor of complexity. Of all these systems going on in our brain, right? And our brain is an organ just like every other. But it has these elements of homeostasis that are self-referential, right? That can reflect upon itself. That can self-correct. That can self-assess. And that self-assessing, that's those self-assessments... Is what creates this experience of consciousness. Of being aware of your awareness. Right? Because think about it. Whenever we make a choice. What are we actually doing? We're simulating life. We're simulating reality. We're looking at. You know these sensory. We're getting all the sensory data in. We're crunching that data. And creating a picture. Of what the world is outside of us. Or even inside of us. And then. We are, you know, predicting that into the future. We're, we're projecting that, I should say, into the future. And the future, even, even, in, even in and of itself, is a, is a concept, right? It's the idea that, you know, there is a us, there is a this moment, you know, there, we've seen it. There's an idea of causality of where this, pat, this concept, this pattern has happened before. And where it might happen again. And therefore, if we, you know, do something else, we can go down a different path. Right? And that other path will have more rewards for us. And that reward, right, is what we can get to make those choices. I'm not sure if I explained that well. I have to 
write it out to really make sense of it, probably. But I, I really think that choice in and of itself is really, is it, it's a self-emergent factor, right? It's the emergent factor of homeostasis, of a organism keeping itself in balance, right? In order to reproduce and all this other stuff. And during that process of keeping itself in balance, it has to, at some point, at some level of complexity, right? It has to create um, systems that look at the systems. For instance, you know, your immune system, like a bacteria, a very simple bacteria, start eating other bacteria or eating other things. But then it needs to create a system of, oh, something I ate is not good, right? It, it Attacks me, it's poisonous, it's, it destroys, you know, itself. And so you have to regurgitate that. You have to get it out. So at some point, you created a, you have an immune system, right? Where you have a system, where you have a, a, a series of things within this organelle, within this organism that says, okay, is this thing I just ate healthy? Is it, you know, going to give me the energy I need? Or is it, you know, um, bad? If it's bad, push it out, right? It's like a computer program, if you will. Um, but just like in a computer, once you get to a certain level of complexity, you no longer can look at it the same way. You can't look at it the same thing as just um, inputs and outputs because there's so many inputs and outputs that is beyond any conceivable way of you know, singular assessments, of singular perception. Right? So if you imagine our brain, our, our our body as a computer program or as a you know robot, if you will, if you want to call it an automaton, right? It's not that something else outside of us is telling us what to do, is that we as a s as a as a living being, right, has these inputs and outputs, has trillions upon trillions, has un nearly uncountable amount of inputs and outputs. And it's because of that sheer amount of inputs and outputs, right? There needs to be other systems that looks at those inputs and outputs and looks at how those inputs and outputs are, you know, categorized, how they're how they're prioritized, how they're assessed, how they're this, that, and the other, right? And then we have systems that look at those systems, right? To make sure that those systems are working correctly. And then you have systems that look at those systems to make sure you, you see where I'm going here? That's, I think, what is going on with the brain. There's a stack of all these systems looking at each other. And in order to figure out consciousness, we need to figure out these systems. We need to figure out this stack. We need to say, okay, what part of the brain is associated with, with you know, making colors, for instance, right? With the experience of having, of, of colors, with the experience of taste or something like that, right? What part of the brain activates when we have an experience of taste? Or when we look at something, when we look at a color. And then we can backwards engineer and say, okay, you know, maybe that part, all these different parts of the brain activates. Okay, so what if we turn off this portion? What if we turn on this portion? You know, I mean, and that's another part of the problem is that it's really hard to do that, you know, with a living person. And that's, that's why we're going to have to figure out how to simulate the brain in the computer program, right? How can we create AI? That simulates exactly how our how our brain works, or maybe it won't even be AI. Maybe it would just be a simulation of a brain, right? Um, 
But another way we might be able to do this, might be able to test this, is look at, you know, what parts of the brain gets activated during certain colors and things like that and cross-reference that between different people's brains, right? So for you, well, what, what parts of the brain activates when you think about color or this color or when you, you know, eat this thing, when you have this taste, for instance? And then cross-reference that with as many people as we can find from a diverse section of, of you know, uh, brain types of brains then that we can find. And then we can probably find some some corollaries, some correlations that allows us to see, okay, wow, these things are related, these things are not. Therefore, these things might be, you know, a better explanation of consciousness. Um, there's probably a bunch of other tests we can do, but I th really think that we're going to be able to understand consciousness by really looking at the brain. Now, the more interesting question, though, I think, is not, you know, whether or not, you know, consciousness is, we can explain consciousness, but where does consciousness come from? Meaning, yes, we may be able to, maybe may be able to show that it is emergent from these complexities, but that may still hold the question of what happens to, where, like, where did thoughts come from that we have no conceivable idea of, you know, how we even came up with this thought, right? Like, this is concept, more metaphysical, that consciousness may be, like, our brains may be a radar or an antenna that attracts some consciousness from beyond, somewhere else, right? And so our brain, it does allow us to, and this is not the same thing as, like, souls, anything like that, because I don't really believe in that myself, to be honest with you, Right? Um, it's not it's not necessarily the same thing as dualism, right? Because it's not saying that your consciousness lives outside of your brain. It's more saying that your brain is consciousness, does have consciousness, does create consciousness, but it may might also or it might instead attract, you know, consciousness, right? The specific neural activations of your brain might attract this type of conscious experience, meaning. The universe itself might be not immaterial. And, you know, this is going to the Don Hoffman school of thinking. It might be that when we look at the world, we are really, you know, creating the world, right? We're creating this material idea because of, you know, I don't know, because of limitations of our of our brains, because of the limitations of our interface, if you will, to put to put in Don Hoffman's words. But yeah, I don't know. That might be, you know, one thing we discover. I don't know. But I think that's the more interesting question. It's not necessarily that, you know, we may not be able to figure out consciousness, but what would it take? What, what will we find once we do figure it out? But yeah, I don't know if any of that made sense or if it was legible. Like if you could hear it in my car with no mic, just my phone. But um, it was good to talk about it. So, as always, thanks for listening and have a great day. See you. Bye-bye.